0: Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And
1: today I'm going to tell Montana about the Christmas Eve murder of Sharon Idolit. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but it, it's, it, it's a doozy. But this episode's a doozy. So before I even get into the whole drink thing, this might not be your your cup of tea, and if it 's not that 's fine if it 's not your cup of tea for right now or ever totally get it it 's going to be a doozy, so you might want to skip this one if it's if it 's not for you, which is totally cool we'll have we'll have another fun joint one after this, so oh yeah, <laughs> just for a warning before we even get started, but Montana, before we get started, what are we drinking? Anything and everything we could get.
0: <laughs> Anything and everything. It's obviously is a pick your poison since it is a, a gruesome one. I wasn't going to drink today, but then I was like, you know, fuck it. I, I'm going to, this doesn't seem like a great one.
1: I'm going to drink with my
0: friends. Yeah, I'm going to drink with my friends. So I actually made a drink for the first time in forever. And I, I'll tell you guys about this drink. It is a, I took the Tezo Passion Tea. Mixed it with some rum and some Sprite. I actually have flavored ice with the tea concentrate. I know, I'm getting fancy. Fancy. And uh, it's it's really tasty. So if, if you guys want to try that out, mix it yourself. I didn't measure anything because I never do. And uh, I was too lazy to walk to the basement for a beer. So cheers. What are you drinking?
1: Cheers. I was lazy in a different way. I didn't feel like making anything. So I went to the grocery store on my way home and picked out just a pre-mixed something, which I'd almost never do. But I've had this brand before we tried it. It's Flybird and it's their prickly pear margarita wine cocktail and so it's basically like pre-mixed margarita and it's actually really good it's nice and tart it's not super sweet and it's like wine so obviously we're talking 15 ish
0: yeah and I'm, I'm only a third of the way through the bottle so we're well, fine. i've never had prickly pear anything so it's so good i'll have to try it when i'm there in a few weeks well if they still have
1: it this was the only one i saw oh the other ones were all sweet stuff all right montana are you ready for this one no and Kelsey. Sorry, Kelsey, you have to hear it too. <laughs> you have to hear it twice, Kelsey. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Probably a lot more than twice, guys.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. You do that to yourself? Look, I'm so glad that you edit these because I was only listening to it once. Shout out to Kelsey for doing such a good job.
1: All right. So this is making me realize like the fact that I did these two back to back because the last one was Thanksgiving and this is Christmas Eve. It's like I feel even more like we're, and that's why we drink because I always end up with these really gruesome ones, but. At the same time, there are cases that I feel like need to be heard because in both of these cases, I had never heard of what happened. Really? Because the Thanksgiving one, the 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 Black Friday one, I definitely didn't hear of. And then the Thanksgiving Day one, I hadn't heard of. So and this one was, I feel like anybody in Florida, because it happened in Florida around this time, probably heard about this. And it's a well-known case. So I know Jenny's going to be screaming at the podcast. I was about to
0: say Jenny. <laughs> I'm
1: sure she's heard of it. But I had never heard of it, and I was of age at this time that I, I should have heard of it. So I don't know. I, I it might just be me, but this was one that I came across and I just I didn't see it being covered a lot on podcasts either. So again I'm I'm really surprised. But when I come across these, I'm like the story needs to be told. So I'm just more on the gruesome side. I can't do the missings and the unsolved, those those hurt my heart too much, oddly enough, I guess, because there's just that question mark that's just sitting out there. I'm not, I, I do want to solve it, but the the question mark and not having like a close just bothers me. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, it hurts my heart too. You've seen me afterwards. I'm like an emotional mess. I don't know why I do this to myself. But what's funny is when you mentioned, and that's why we drink, I am like a passive listener of that. I'm not like, it's not like a, I've listened to every episode. Oh, no. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. I'm catching up. I'm almost there. They have like 400 yeah, episodes. I know. It's, it's a lot. So I, I haven't like listened to all of their episodes. Maybe half, but that's been over the course of like two years. So I'll never catch up at this rate. I actually mostly listen to just M's, which makes sense. <laughs> their portion, and then I don't listen to Christine.
1: <laughs> so I was actually. So I don't know if you do the Spotify Wrapped, but I did, and I went through mine and. I, that was my top podcast this year, mostly because the other ones I listen to, I'm caught up in. So I'm only listening to the ones that are coming out and I'm trying to catch up on theirs. What? Ours wasn't your top one? No, but you know, come on. They have like 400 episodes. We've established that. (laughs) Like I just said the ones I'm listening to on a regular basis and keeping up are not on the top because I'm listening to theirs, like binging them. But you know who that we both know our podcast was the top podcast for their year, and we we both know this person. Was it Paul? It was Paul. I'm so proud of him. He was like, "Hey, I know her. <laughs> hey, I know her." <laughs> he sent it to me, and I was like,
0: "Aw, did you did you Photoshop that?" He was no, that's real. <laughs> I got a message from one of our our friend of the podcast, I guess, and one of my friends, Liz, yesterday. She was like, "Oh, look." You're in my top podcast for my <laughs> rap for the year. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so sweet. It's weird though, right? Like
1: we're unwrapped. Like that's a weird thing to me, but yeah, neither here nor there. Anyway, just thought I would put that little sigu in here as I say on, that's why we drink. <laughs> that's what I always read every single time I see that word. That's what I read. sigu Anyway, get ready. Um, that's That's the happy part of the story. So... I'm just going to dive into it and kind of get the worst out of the way. All right. Go for it. I'm here for it. So Sharon Idolet was just 48 years old when she was murdered on Christmas Eve in 2013. So 10 years ago. She was found later that day by a friend who came by to check on her. And some reports said it was actually her ex-husband and daughter who found her when they arrived for him to drop their daughter off to spend Christmas Day with her mother. And she had a kitchen knife sticking out of her eye socket and a deep slash in her throat. Ugh. She had been brutally beaten and stabbed to death just inside of her front door of her home in Gulf Breeze, Florida. She had defensive wounds on her hands and there was blood around her body and on the furniture and more was smeared on the front door. A later autopsy would reveal that there were actually two blades embedded in her eye socket with such force that the handle of one of them had been broken off. Two? Two. And the coroner had to use orthopedic surgical tools to remove the blades.
0: Why? Okay. So somebody attacked her with two different weapon, two different knives? Kitchen knives, yeah. And beat her. What? Okay. I just like... That's a lot. Right in the front door, too. Yeah, and I'm thinking of some idiot just, like, wielding two kitchen knives. like, But maybe if it was like a... A weapon of opportunity? I don't know. That's weird. We'll get to it. Great.
1: So let's talk about Sharon, shall we? According to her obituary, which made me want to cry, Sharon was born in Pensacola on May 7th, 1965, to Robert Hill and Sylvia Story. She grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and attended minor high school until she graduated in 1983. She then attended college at Sanford University, which is also here in Birmingham, and Pensacola Junior College, which is now named Pensacola State College, to earn her BA in business. Then she attended the University of West Florida, where she earned her Master's of Education in Curriculum and Instruction. She started teaching in 1998 at Holly Navarre, I don't know if it's Navarre or Navarra, I think it's Navarre, Middle School, and was selected as Teacher of the Year in 2005. She was loved by not just her fellow teachers, but also the students. Those that knew her said she had a quote, megawatt smile and a generous spirit, and had an exceptional way of making her family, friends, and students know that they were each very, very special to her. Sharon was such a fun and beautiful person, both outwardly and soulfully. She was so thoughtful and loved to laugh and joke. Her ability to love so intensely. Let you know you were loved. Being a great participator, Sharon loved to be a part of things and never retreated from hard work or obligations. She had adored her children, all of her children. They were her heart and soul. Sharon believed that each one of them hung the moon, the actual moon. Through her dedicated work with the HNMS Student Council, Science Fair, and as the coach for the Girls Cross Country Team in Gulf Breeze, Sharon touched many lives in the school and the community. She sounds amazing. I will say all of the pictures of her are exactly what I see when I think of all of my teachers in middle school. You know what I'm talking about, like quintessential middle school teacher, salt of the earth. Like I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like the su- the southern teacher were had their hair up half up most of the time. Ne- didn't necessarily wear dresses because I know that's what some people think of, but just like. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but all of the pictures
0: that I saw of her were exactly what I remembered from middle school. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I remember my middle school teachers. They all were kind of the same. Big blur of nondescript <laughs> women. And really
1: liked kids, I always felt like. Even though I was like, I don't even like half these kids, but you're being really nice to them.
0: Yeah, except for Miss Radcliffe. She... I was her nightmare. I believe that. <laughs> Come to life. She she was the English teacher. No, she wasn't English. She was social studies, I think it was. Doesn't matter. Mm. She started out as my social studies teacher or some kind of teacher like that. But the next year, she ended up being the vice principal. Uh-oh. Well, in her vice principal office, she kept a jar of cookies. And I would go in there and I would steal cookies And she figured out that I was doing it. And so she put him on a higher shelf. And you couldn't reach him. (laughs) So I couldn't reach him. Yeah, real mean. She was the one who came out of her office one day. And uh, a football player had picked me up. Because you remember what like school halls were like, going to different classes? I was a tiny little person. It was. That's funny. Listen, I'm 10 feet taller now. (laughs) One of the football players thought it would be funny to pick me up and stick me on top of the lockers. Oh, I remember you telling me this story. <laughs> yeah, where I couldn't get down and she like walks out of her office, sees me up there and just turns around and goes back in. I was up there for a whole class until so- the janitor got me down. <laughs>
1: you were fine. You weren't going anywhere. At least she didn't have to worry about you causing trouble.
0: <laughs> Miss Radcliffe is out there listening to this. Hi. <laughs> I actually did succeed at something in life.
1: sorry to derail this i'm not calling out my teachers because that's that's a whole nother subject so three hours after sharon was found police located her 17 year old son william brandon i i a lot that's why i'm gonna go by their first names most of the time a witness reported he had moved out and that mother and son had been fighting for a couple of months Brandon quickly surrendered and went with the police peacefully. The police noted that Brandon was clean with fresh clothes on, but they also noticed a small patch of dried blood on his wrist. And this was reported in like 10 different articles that I read. So this
0: is obviously of note. Yeah, but I mean, depending on the type of when people shower, I mean, somebody could have just gotten a shower. Like it's normal to be a clean human being. If you're not clean, you're probably depressed or something. I don't know. Like, that was me. (laughs) That was me. But, like, I don't know. That just seems like a weird thing to point out. And also, he's, like, a teenager. Is that what you said? 17-year-old. Yeah, probably doesn't know how to shave. This is me guessing, like. Yeah, we're just, we're just starting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have a lot of pages to go. <laughs> it, it seems real early to be making assumptions about something like that. You know, if he just showered, fair. he probably just shaved, could have been bleeding, nosebleed, popped a pimple. Very, very, very possible. When
1: they told him the news of his mom's death, the investigator wrote that Brandon was, quote, calm, appeared to be emotionless, other than giving a small smile a few times during the interview, end quote. Brandon was described as six foot three, about 200 pounds, and an athlete, specifically in baseball. It was believed he had a bright future ahead of him, including likely a college scholarship for baseball due to his pitching skills. Reportedly, he could throw a 99 mile per hour fastball, which, by the way, is very good. Good for him. Anything over over 90 is typically something of note. And he averaged about 80 miles per hour and several pages made reference to this. According to Randy Renfro, which was his baseball coach at Gulf Breeze High School, he said that the the parents were getting a divorce and Brandon seemed to be having a tough time with it. He also said that Brandon's parents were very supportive of his baseball ambitions, frequently attending games and cheering for him and his team from the stands. Which seems odd because a different article I read said that after the divorce, Sharon received the house in the divorce as well as custody of the kids. And according to many, the family as a whole seemed to be doing pretty good. They'd fallen into a routine. Everyone seemed to have adjusted. The kids were doing better. The kids seemed to be happy, doing well in school and spending time with family and friends. However, that was until Brandon seemed to start using drugs. And then all of a sudden problems started, which, by the way, let's take a pause. When teenagers start using drugs, not all the time, but most of the time, there's a reason there. Things aren't all hunky-dory and they just decide to take drugs and then everything falls to shit. There's usually an underlying cause and that's their way of coping or escaping.
0: But also, are we talking about, are we talking, when we're talking about drugs, are we talking about, like, like hard drugs? Are we talking about a little bit of weed or like smoking weed every day? Like
1: I don't know that it was not specified what type of drugs because they're probably not going to go super into that. It's Marijuana was definitely mentioned. I will go over a few things that he tested positive for later. Because marijuana ain't
0: going to do it, my, my friend.
1: I'm going to tell you right now it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. I don't, I don't think it was just minor
0: It wasn't just marijuana. Also, it being from the South, like people uh, tend to he does drugs. He smokes pot. Oh, yeah. Calm down, Betty. He's been been he's been snorting that weed. (laughs) That's not how that works. That's not how that works.
1: Once his mother found out about the drug use. I mean, obviously, she's a teacher. And so she confronted him about it. And that was when the rift between mother and son started and started to grow and fester. Soon his grades were declining, he started losing weight, and he started losing interest in the things that he used to enjoy, like friends, sports, and working out. His behavior started changing drastically. He even sent bizarre, quote, bizarre texts to a girl he had dated and then unexpectedly punched a friend who he thought was seeing her, according to court documents. Okay, it sounds like this dude's depressed. I would have to agree. Let's keep going. Apparently, his family had an intervention for him on December 10th, 2013, when he tested positive for marijuana, opiates, and benzodiazepines.
0: Hey, that's what I have. So not small stuff. Definitely not stuff he wasn't prescribed, obviously. I meant I mean, the benzos, I don't, I don't take uh, opiates yeah. or pain medication. Thanks for the clarification. We needed that. But, uh, that's
1: some hardcore shit. He tested positive for all three. That's a lot to have in your system at one time.
0: That's a lot of downers, too. Yeah. And if you're already depressed, like, topping it off with, you know, benzos, alcohol, painkillers, like, uh-uh. it ain't, it ain't going to work.
1: Not good. He was checked into a rehab facility, but his father checked him out less than two days later after Brandon passed two drug tests at the facility.
0: Okay. He was there for two days. He didn't have access to drugs. Of course, he passed two drug tests. Depending on like the schedule in which he was taking it, if he was taking like opioids every single day for like weeks on end, the withdrawal from that, it's out of his system, but he's in for a a withdrawal. Oh, yeah.
1: You want them in a rehab clinic because they can take care of them the way that they medically need to be taken care of. It's not small. Yeah. Let me just tell you, I had an ex.
0: That you did.
1: That had some withdrawal symptoms and claimed he did it without any kind of medical intervention. Let me tell you, it's, I looked it up because I needed to know. That's not possible. It's not possible. It's literally not possible. So, according to text submitted for evidence in a trial later, Sharon had pleaded with her ex-husband to keep him in treatment. But he refused because he believed Brandon wasn't actually abusing the drugs. Okay, sir. Sure. So after being brought into custody, Brandon confessed to stabbing and beating his mother to death with kitchen knives and a baseball bat after the two of them had an argument. And at least one report said he actually confessed to killing her immediately upon opening the door and they never even had a conversation. Sir, are you okay? Obviously not. We just mentioned that he was on three different types of drugs at some point. Okay. There were multiple reports that Brandon actually smiled when he was narrating the scene and what happened, saying he repeatedly hit her with a baseball bat, then attacked her with a large kitchen knife, slashing her multiple times, cutting her throat, before driving the blade
0: through her eye.
1: At some point, he even stomped on her face during the
0: attack. Oh, my God. What? Okay.
1: It sounds like when I'm and I'm not even like reading. The whole transcript, but just the way that that's described, it sounds to me like it's from a movie scene or an execution, like just so brutal to somebody and, and to do that to your mother. Like, let me, my mom ain't no saint and I've had some feelings towards her, but I can't even fathom doing this to any other person, let alone my mom or a family member. Like, I just, I can't comprehend that
0: no matter how mad or angry or how much they've hurt me. Like, I I really don't understand. Yeah. I mean, same the amount of crap I put up with my mom. I should want to do something like that to her. And somebody described by everybody as somebody who everybody
1: loved. Yeah. And who loved everybody and went out of their way to be there for other people. Like that's, I'm going to be honest, that's not how my mom would be described, but <laughs> same. <laughs> I'm just being perfectly transparent. So, I have a hard time believing that somebody who worked as a teacher for years and who was loved by her students and fellow teachers for years was
0: pretending the entire time. That's just not how that works. It is possible, devil's advocate, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Like m- my my mother was a very Charismatic person, very manipulative. Nobody for years would have thought she was the person that she was. I mean, they know now. But there were people that had close relationships with her. And that's the thing.
1: Like you can be charismatic and narcissistic and win people to your side, but you're not actually close to anybody. You have very surface level relationships because the second they start getting a little deeper, they start seeing that it is surface level. Mm-hmm. And she had close relationships with a lot of people. Yeah. Which tells me more than likely that's just how she was.
0: Mm. Devil's advocate,
1: I get it. But I'm just saying, based on everything that I saw, everybody loved her. She loved everybody. It was just like she was like the quintessential middle school teacher. Like I remember them right now and it grosses me out how they could be so nice to us as kids because kids suck on a regular basis and they're around them all day every day for five out of the seven days of the week and i don't know how they do it to be perfectly frank i was literally the worst (laughs) i believe it i was not but i still
0: can't believe they put up with classrooms full of those students <laughs> I can't exaggerate that anymore that I, I was just a terrible kid no it's not an exaggeration but I was a part of the honors society I was in a bunch of sports I was not popular even though I was in all of those things but I was just a shit bag because I mean I had the I had the humor that I have now only I was a little shitbag kid and you didn't know what ADHD was <laughs> I had no idea what ADHD was. I
1: didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> so per pnj.com, quote, I've been to a lot of deaths. I've seen people who committed suicide and used a shotgun to take their own life. Remembered Santa Rosa Sh- County Sheriff's Office Deputy Patrick Goodson. This one stands out to me because it was just so horrific and the rage was so obvious. How somebody can do that to their own mother is beyond me, end quote. And that's basically exactly how I feel like I, I can't imagine having to look at it and take pictures. And I, I couldn't, I actually stumbled on a blog that had the pictures with very little warning and accidentally like saw some of the pictures and it was
0: wiped my memory, but I can't. Oh, yeah. That's like I never look at images or anything like that because um Oh, no, I went on the blog because it said that she
1: had done a lot of research. And I was like, OK, well, maybe I can look and see what she found. And it was just a lot of pictures and very little research she talked about. And it was not what I went on that
0: side for. Yikes. Don't like that. I was surprised she had access to it, to be perfectly honest. I think a lot of that is public. You can request it. Like I've requested a few case files from the coroner's office and things like that. Yeah, maybe she got just the whole file. Yeah, probably. I don't think it's good etiquette to post it online, though. I mean, it wasn't like pictures of the
1: person, but it was enough pictures that you could very easily surmise. Yeah. And more than I really wanted. I mean, I I feel like you should maybe have a warning before you scroll down. Trigger warning, at at the very least. Yeah. Due to the nature of the crime, the prosecutors originally filed a second-degree murder charge but also requested that the charge be upgraded to first degree and that the 17-year-old, who would be turning 18 at the end of February, so basically barely 17 anymore,
0: be tried as an adult. That I don't agree with. I do believe, especially with what he said, that's a second-degree murder charge. And it's because he didn't plan it. He showed up with knives and used a baseball bat. But he said they, had, they were in an argument.
1: In some cases, it said that he was in an argument. And in some, it said he immediately started attacking.
0: He confessed. Two different ways. He brought knives from a different location and a bat from a different location? Or- in one confession, he said he
1: walked in with a kitchen knife tucked into his sleeve. And then he grabbed a kitchen knife from the kitchen. Mm. So he was prepared before he even showed up. And then, but the fact that. And then later he said after an argument, but she was found in the entryway. And that's where most of it happened. So I tended to to feel like the first one is more likely because she didn't even exit. Like she wasn't found in the kitchen. She was found in the entryway. And that's where all of the blood is.
0: Unless she ran to the entryway to try and get out to get for help. But that's where all the blood is, is in the entryway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she just didn't bleed until she got there? No, no. If You're stabbing somebody, especially in the eyeball.
1: Well, no, that was the last thing that, that he did. He slashed her throat and then stabbed her in the eye. Hmm. I don't know. He was hitting her a lot. He was hitting her with a baseball bat. That So according to reports, since we're going to go into it. Okay. According to his confession, he started stabbing her pretty much right away. Some reports he said he had an argument and then stabbed her. She was down long enough for him to go and find his baseball bat that she had given to him and then come back and beat her with that baseball bat before then slashing her throat and then stabbing her in the eyeball.
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe you first agree. I don't know. It's, it's real weird because, like, for me, if he says that it was an, it was due to an argument, that is not premeditation. But again, but if he did, if he did get, bring the knives himself to the house that's intent, so that's first degree but if he stops attacking her in the middle of this and goes and gets a baseball bat that's still not first degree he didn't plan it out this is a rage it's still second degree
1: yeah but at that
0: point he could have stopped could he have somebody in a rage crime of passion these things are second degree murder all right we're going to agree to disagree
1: on this one. I'm not going to give second degree on that. I'm
0: I'm not saying I'm not saying that I don't believe that he deserves first degree and that I think something like that is first degree. I'm saying like per the law, would that technically is that a, that differs from state to state and this
1: is in Florida?
0: It it does. Their definition of the different degrees do differ state to state. It it does. But I think just in my head I'm like why would you take the risk as a prosecutor to go for first degree murder? That's why they initially filed for second and asked yeah. to upgrade it to first. When it's so, it, to me, it's kind of questionable, you know?
1: Well, I think they felt like it was questionable because of his age more than anything else, but they also wanted to try him as an adult. So if first degree was approved, that would make him eligible for a maximum sentence of life in prison. If he was convicted, because according to Florida law, the death penalty is not an option if you're below the age of eighteen great law that's fair, that's very fair i, I think that caveats actually kind of important, I think it is too, although I do feel like I always wonder about the idea that a- eighteen is the age of suddenly you're an adult yeah, I don't like that either i. Because I don't feel like you are an adult at 18. I feel like you're an adult at maybe possibly 20, 21, 23 at best. Let's be honest. 21 is when you're able to drink. You're not an adult. You're still as irresponsible as you were at 18. Let's be perfectly honest. You do not really know what is going on. And I get it. You feel like you do. And, and there's a lot of responsibilities thrown at you. But there's a lot of kids that don't have those responsibilities and they don't know what it's like to be an adult. Well,
0: and a lot of people don't actually become like self aware until they're in their mid twenties, if they even do. Most people don't. Your frontal lobe is not fully developed and there's
1: enough science to back that up. Why is this still a thing? Why are we setting it at a certain age when that age has been proven that you're not fully developed at that point? Well it's
0: also like, yeah, murder's bad murder is bad. Like he should definitely be punished for this. Obviously.
1: It doesn't matter the age. I just freaking watched a terrible movie. It was something about the I don't remember the title of it, but basically a 12 year old killed a bunch of people on Christmas. So it was a Christmas horror movie. Yay. Oh, great. Because that's what we watch before Christmas or before December 1st. Anyway, but 12 years old or 18 years old, you killed a bu- you kill a bunch of people, then there should be consequences. And I feel like if you do this at any point in, in time, you should definitely be locked away and and maybe we're going to try to rehabilitate you, hopefully. Yeah. Because when you're that young and you do something like that, there's definitely something broken there.
0: Well, it's, it's not just like it's, again, that whole like they're not self-aware, that whole like empathetic portion. And it could be. It could be. That's worrisome, though, right? Yes. Because, I mean. I look at my 10
1: year old stepdaughter and she can do some of the most outlandish and crazy things, but also she's one of the most empathetic people I've ever been around. She loves her siblings and she will do all kinds of things for them, but she will also scream at them because that ability to manage your emotions is just not there because you haven't developed it. And that's understandable, but you have that
0: empathy. There's, there's that swing, right? Right. Yeah, well, and there's also a difference between empathy and sympathy. Like, you can be... You can have sympathy for something and not have empathy. But that's, like, a sign of a a psychopath. I think it's hard to make a decision that can affect, you know, somebody's life. Like, having them... And, again, he took somebody's life. I get that. But when when you're not fully developed, when your brain is not fully developed, and especially if you maybe have signs of instability or sociopath or psychopath or you know any type of anything like that I don't think that you can take you can make a ruling to take their life away because there's still a chance that they can be rehabilitated oh I would agree that's not cool bro don't like it
2: I would agree can I just add one little tidbit (laughs) um I just
1: (laughs) well I'm going to Well, we'll just cut it oh wait you're
2: doing this
1: (laughs) we did not plan this out well (laughs)
2: Empathy typically emerges during the second and third years of life. Okay, yeah. So that's when people like develop empathy. And then self-awareness, meaning having an understanding of your own thoughts, feelings, values, beliefs, and actions. It means that you understand who you are, what you want, how you feel. That is 18 months of age. A child is self-aware. Now, I don't think it, you, that's that what it means when you say self-aware, Montana.
0: Yeah, no. That's the ability to have it. Yeah. The, the ability to have self-awareness. Because I, re- I remember when I became self-aware, it was very unsettling. Let me, it's
1: something that you have to develop sometimes. Yeah. Because it gets really uncomfortable. And that means you have to sit in that uncomfortable feeling for a while and decide, you know what? This doesn't feel good because there are things about me that aren't great. Yeah. And I need to work on those. And that doesn't feel good. And it takes a certain amount of maturity to be able to acknowledge that and then turn around and make yourself better instead of saying, yeah, I suck at that, but I need to work on that instead of you should be aware that I suck at this and that's your problem
0: now, not mine. Yeah. I feel like that's the difference of maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Maturity, self-awareness. There's a point in time. Unless you get to that point in your life where you can look at things and say, oh, that sucks about me. I don't like that about me. Let me fix that. Instead of looking at a situation, recognizing that you suck in this situation, but making the responsibility for that change to be on everybody else.
1: Putting that on yourself. Yeah, putting
0: it on yourself instead of putting it on everybody else. And not everybody is capable of that. And I'm not saying that they, you know, it's still not their responsibility to do it. It's still their responsibility to do it. But if they're incapable of it or they don't have the tool set to do it. Well, then that becomes a
1: question of, okay, so are they immature or are they mentally unsound? Yeah. And I think that's where the question becomes a problem. Because. You have personality disorders that will not acknowledge when they have issues because, as far as they're concerned, it's everybody else's problem and they refuse to acknowledge it. Okay, so now we're dealing with personality disorders, not necessarily maturity. So, if it's a personality disorder, do they deserve a mental health intervention instead of jail? Because jail's not gonna get them anywhere.
0: Well, jail's not gonna get them anywhere anyway.
1: But a mental health facility may not either. Not only will it might not help them, but they may just learn how to say what they need to say in order to get out, in
0: which case they're still a danger to society. Well, we're about to get into dangerous territory if we talk about it. Oh, yes we are. We are. Just wait. I'm Oh, great. Oh, perfect.
1: It is dangerous territory. I'm only halfway through my pages. I better go. After his arrest, the court obviously questioned his mental state, but he was ultimately deemed competent to stand trial.
0: The trial was delayed for more than two years, and he was held without bail, waiting for the trial. You know why they did that? He was already a tall motherfucker, a big motherfucker. He already looked like an adult, and it pushed him past that age. Hang on.
1: Okay. So, oddly, I found in more than one article that he was initially not found competent to stand trial. Oh. And that he went through competency training until he was found to be competent. Apparently, there's no protocol on how long competency training takes. For reference, according to bachelor.edu.au, competency-based training refers to a learning model where students must demonstrate the required level of knowledge and skill, competency, on a task prior to advancing to the next task. So how do you find somebody competent to stand trial? After this type of situation, I really don't know. Can you really learn what it means to stand trial and and face the consequences if you're initially said that you aren't competent? I really don't understand. So that's why it took two years, because he went through this training
0: so that he could learn and thereby be competent. No, you can't. That's not how that works. It's not how it works. Also, it's probably some Yahoo on the Internet who's like, My 10-step course, I can get your incompetent child who's up on murder charges. Obviously, it was a 10-step course that took a long time because it was two years. They did that on purpose. They did that on purpose. It was either, I I highly doubt his defense would have wanted to, to delay it like that.
1: In any case, eventually, when it came to trial, Brandon waived his right to be tried by a jury and instead opted for a judge trial.
0: I'm assuming he was invi- advised that taking this to a trial would not do him any favors. In some cases, it is a good idea, especially if the state is a death penalty state. Florida is, right?
1: Yes. And I feel like this in this case, it was a, it was a good call.
0: A judge is going to look at that and they're going to be like, typically a judge is not going to sentence somebody to death. Well, they don't want that on their head. Conscience. But also a judge is more than likely going to give you a very harsh sentence to fix his, I'm unable or their inability to sentence them to death. Would you like to hear how it went? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. My (laughs) medication has worn off. Okay. So during the trial, a psychiatrist who evaluated
1: Brandon named Dr. Scott Benson told the court, the judge basically, that Brandon's schizophrenia caused him to hear voices and that he even suffered from hallucinations. Brandon had told his doctor that the voices were commanding him to kill his mother. According to the doctor, he believed that these very issues are what drove him to commit such a violent, brutal, and evil act. Thankfully, the doctor also made sure to emphasize that he felt Brandon was a danger to society and would continue to be so. Yeah. It was believed that Brandon had been using drugs, which we have already mentioned, and that had contributed to his mental health decline. In addition, yet again, Brandon's father, father's lack of support or getting him any help when Brandon first started showing signs and symptoms of schizophrenia. I will say schizophrenia is not an easy diagnosis and the signs are not always obvious. And you can look it up. It's all over the board. But I will say that those who are around you all the time, there should be red flags. That should be really hard to ignore. And I'll also say that the father doesn't seem like the nicest guy from what I've read. And I'll get to that later. Yeah, he sounds like a turd. Randy, who is his father, didn't comment in the stories that I, in most of the stories that I read. Though apparently he wrote emails blaming Sharon's sister for bringing up the past. And that he's simply, quote, a protective father for his daughter what because brandon has a younger sister okay so at the end of the trial by the way i didn't mention this but it lasted one day that's not surprising uh, a trial just with a judge that's not surprising yeah it was just one day brandon was found not guilty by reason of insanity by the judge and was committed to a state hospital instead of prison yeah According to Judge Simon, Brandon knew what he was doing when he committed the murder, but he didn't understand it was wrong due to the effects of his schizophrenia. He was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia. It was very much confirmed. It was no, in no doubt whatsoever. Brandon was involuntarily committed to Florida State Hospital in Chattahoochee. He must be reevaluated every six months to ensure he's still eligible and meets the criteria to be housed at a state facility. Okay. According to PNJ.com, quote, hospital staff will generate their own report on whether he continues to meet the criteria or what his status is. And we always look for a red flag or something that might seem unusual in case we need to make a new evaluation, he said. And then according to WEARTV.com, his attorney, basically, quote, it's a very tragic case, Scott Ritchie, Brandon's attorney, said, I think this is the right result. I think clearly my client needs ongoing treatment and we'll get that treatment, but it also protects the citizens from the danger he could continue to pose, end quote. I agree. Any effort to have him released or placed into a less restrictive custody would require agreement from multiple doctors and a review from the judge. All right, good. So that's that's the judgment. This is one of the few cases where I feel like that's completely completely reasonable. And I think that that is the best case scenario because that's obviously what he needs. Yeah.
0: I don't think prison is going to do any good for him. Nope. He's obviously not stable. He doesn't need to be released. I don't know that he's one of those that you could
1: ever release because part of the problem, as we've discussed with schizophrenia, it's very, very hard to get medication correct. And then when you do, they have to take it on a regular basis. If they miss anything, it completely throws them off and can have disastrous effects. And when you have somebody who does something like this, when they're not on medication, you cannot let them be out in public because that's too much of a risk to the public. Yeah, I agree. Pure and simple. So I did find an article from May 2017 in Gulf Breeze News that mentioned that Brandon was seeking $50,000 of Sharon's life insurance policy that was from her employer. Sir, Also, despite the fact that Sharon and Brandon's father were divorced, Randy, who was the ex-father, was still listed as the agent of her estate. This is where we're going to go down a rabbit hole. That's why I'm only halfway through. Brandon also has a sister that was a minor at the time of her mother's death. Now, according to his attorney, their argument was that despite the fact that he confessed to her murder, because he was found not guilty by reason of insanity, he still technically a valid beneficiary to the policy and entitled to half
0: the proceeds. Yeah, actually, yeah, I can see that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but them's the laws, babies.
1: Hang on, Florida's a different state. You, you are not a lawyer. You do not know all the laws. Yeah, hang on. But then also, Brandon's father made conflicting claims, submitting one for the daughter for the full 100000 and then submitting another on behalf of Brandon For the same amount. Daddy Warbucks over here needs to calm the fuck down. We're just getting into it. For reference, there is a Florida law that says if you cause the death of another person, you cannot then also claim the life insurance benefit. Makes sense to me. Sounds like a good law. Duh. That sounds like a really good law to have in place. The article that I read said the insurance company basically said, take me off this case because we can't de- determine who's supposed to get these, this money. We already paid it out. So leave us alone. Yeah. The father had no objection to the request, according to the article. But there was no concluded case that I could see whatsoever as far as where it went. I'm pretty sure it all went to the daughter and Brandon didn't see any of it. Funny thing about that. Daddy. Daddy dearest is the agent for the daughter. Yuck. So, by the way, Brandon's sister was 10 years old when her brother killed her mother. Okay. It was on that day she also became the heir of her mother's estate since her brother obviously was ineligible. That included the proceeds of the house if it was sold and the house itself if it wasn't.
0: And she's 10. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like Dad has more of a motive to kill than the son does.: Hang on. Just wait Okay. So unfortunately, it has been reported
1: that her father, who was the agent of the estate despite the fact that they were divorced, which really surprises me, <laughs> has possibly not been a good steward, and there were reports that there would be there might not be much left once the daughter was old enough to accept the inheritance. Because remember, she was 10. So she has to be 18 to accept it. Oh, no. Shocking. Who could have seen that coming? Right. According to a quote from Sharon's sister in an article on pnj.com, quote, it'll be interesting to know who's going to get that money if there's anything left. It would be interesting to see if Randy got another illegal mortgage on it and if they're going to sell it just to break even. And the sad thing is Sharon only owed $90,000 on a house worth Three hundred thousand when she died and left it to her kids.
0: Okay, first off, how does a middle school teacher afford? She got it in the, the divorce, remember? Yeah, but even back, to, I imagine she still has to like pay. Oh, uh, was he paying a portion of the mortgage? Uh, he might have had some money. Toss some money down. Uh,
1: Oh, hang on a second. We're going to get I'm speculating. It. I'm speculating. I'm not going through the money parts, but you'll see why that might be a possibility. Okay. Hopefully, her daughter is going to get that money to help, her, help secure her future, end quote. According to the same article, after her mother's murder, Randy was granted guardianship of their daughter, which is not surprising. He's the legal parent and was also named agent of the XYS estate. A little surprising. Makes me think about making sure my will is updated meaning he had control of the assets until their daughter came of age. He also immediately moved back into the house uh, yuck. that she was murdered in, surprising Sharon's family since they felt it would be traumatic for the girl to continue leaving, living
0: in the same house. Her mother was brutally murdered in by her brother. Yeah. Hey, Dad. I got some trauma here. My mom died in this entryway where I take my jacket off every day, put my shoes away, and she possibly was the, was one of the people that stumbled upon
1: her mother's body. Yeah.
0: Not cool, bro. Real insensitive. Chill the fuck out. Surprise.
1: By the way, to ma- make matters worse, there were rumors that one of the causes for the divorce was that Randy had been caught sexting with a 14-year-old student in his science class.
0: What a dirtbag. Ugh, that's so f- Fucking
1: gross. He was then fired when he was caught sending hundreds of text messages, many of which were sexual in nature, to said 14-year-old girl. While there wasn't enough evidence for charges, like police charges, to be brought about, what was discovered was enough to be deemed grooming behavior and violated rules and statutes for his role as a teacher, obviously, and thus his license was revoked
0: for five years. Now y'all gotta do better. Y'all gotta do better. Five years. Five years is not enough. You cannot be around children permanently with
1: a, as a freaking sex offender card. I don't care. Yeah.
0: If you if you can label somebody, like arrest somebody, label them as a sex offender for peeing outdoors, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-mm. A teacher who is actively being a predator to, towards kids, sex offender, gotta be.
2: I'm gonna interrupt one more time. You can lose your teaching license permanently. For leaving your post, like quitting your job, without giving your school or your district enough notice, but you're not going to lose your teaching license forever if you do that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do a Montana right now and say, "What's it like to have male privilege?" Yeah, what's it like to have a dick? <laughs> like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> this is the Tales podcast. That should not even be a question. Like, are you kidding me? You should never be allowed to teach whatsoever. It shouldn't be allowed to be around kids. You have a predilection for children. Get fucked. All right. Next, next line. By 2017, the house had been threatened with foreclosure three times, possibly a fourth, and each time the foreclosure was stopped by money from the daughter's guardianship account. Oh, uh, daddy warbucks wasn't paying the mortgage. In addition, court documents showed he took out an equity loan on the house without the court's permission or knowledge. Sounds about right. In May 2018, Randy was removed as guardian after Sharon's sister brought the matters that we just mentioned to the court's attention and had a guardian at litem, which, by the way, I wouldn't count on those just from per- personal experience, appointed for the daughter. They appointed the sister as the girl's guardian, who at that time was still only 15, so it had only been five years. According to the guardian at litem in the PNJ.com article, quote, the Guardian and the minor are still living at the house where the minor's mother was brutally murdered. The Guardian at Lytum wrote in an emergency motion filed to address the daughter's emotional and financial well-being. The Guardian, Randy, has suggested it is in the minor's best interest to stay at the house as compared to a different home or apartment to fit his lifestyle, end quote.
0: To fit his lifestyle, because it's all about him. First <laughs> off, anybody named Randy, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this and your name is Randy you're a fucking dirtbag. I hate I can't stand that name. If you have if the name is Randy, you're a dirtbag. She has a personal vendetta against you just I do have a personal vendetta against a Randy in my own life. It's not your
1: fault. It's not it's your not fault. It's not your fault.
0: You know, I'm projecting, but also this guy is named Randy. He's a scumbag. Second thing, my my guy, are you a psychologist? Do you know the effects that a, a traumatic event like, could have on a child in something like this. No, and I don't think he cares. No, I don't think he does either. And the other thing, too, is like, okay, and we're speaking from, like, a place of privilege when we talk about this, too. Who knows? And especially in that situation, it probably would be hard to sell the house, you know, especially it, it being labeled a murder house. Oh, okay, you're putting your face. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Here we go. So I didn't want to be insensitive. That, that was my only thing, I, you know.
1: Unfortunately,
0: when she tried to
1: sell the house talking about her sister, Randy somehow was able to prevent the house from being available to real estate agents. And when this issue was brought to the courts, they did nothing to prevent that behavior. In addition, when she attempted to take him to court to request documentation of the girl's inheritance accounts and how the money was spent, the courts basically said, Hey, Randy, do you feel comfortable sharing that information? And then Randy said, no, not really. And they said, oh, okay." that was pretty much it. That was how it went. And funny thing is, obviously, this didn't happen in public court. No, this happened back in the chambers. Of course it did. So it's all technically conjecture by Sharon's sister. And what she is reporting,
0: because it's not public knowledge. Listen, I'm growing my penis right now, just so I can have that amount of privilege. And she she basically at that point
1: said, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything. I can't make this situation better. So she relinquished her rights as guardian over the daughter because there was nothing she could do. She couldn't manage anything because the courts gave her the right but didn't actually enforce anything yeah so there was nothing she could actually do and they wouldn't make anything public record despite the fact that she tried to so her hands were tied so she just basically gave up which i get it but i also i hate it for the daughter because i feel like she could have possibly seen her as like her last line of defense and it sucks to be an adult in that situation because I identify with this, you're, you're at a no win situation, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. So you, you give up because it's taking so much time, energy and expense out of you. But then that child sees you give up, and they interpret it as you gave up on me. You didn't fight for me, because they don't really see everything that happens. And you know that dad was not saying that she was fighting for her.
0: Yeah. It was only
1: for his benefit. It's not Sharon's sister's fault. If that's what happened, that's not her fault. I, I completely understand where she's coming from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just saying I can feel it on both sides of that equation. Yeah. It's just a lose-lose situation. And the dickwad that's getting his way
0: is the problem. And hopefully the karma bus will hit him at some point. Fingers crossed. I think it's also the fact that he has a penis. I'm real mad at people with penises right now, if anyone noticed. Noticed. Many other things have come up since then, including
1: the house going on the market right after the time that the daughter turned 18. Possibly because the house was in her name and she had the right to act on her own behalf at that point. But again, that's just conjecture on her aunt's behalf because he... The second, basically, that he got guardianship over the daughter, he removed any access that Sharon's family had to the daughter. So he isolated her. So they have no real idea of what was going on because he would not allow the daughter to have access to Sharon's family.
0: Yeah, and also, Dick had moved. Uh, she lost her mother, and then you're going to separate her from her mother's family. Like, not cool, bro, but also... She- Even if she does sell this house, the fact that he took out another mortgage on it, is that even going to cover the debt that he has gone into for this with this house? He has fucked her over. And I
1: didn't see anything recently. So I don't know if it was sold or if I I wasn't going to go into that. I didn't want to go into that rabbit rabbit hole of looking of how often it's been sold or whatnot. That was from 2018. So it could have been. But. Honestly, if he had more than one mortgage on it, probably
0: not. I mean, if she was able to sell it at the rates that things skyrocketed around 2020, 2021 and things like that. 2022, 2023, I mean, she would have made she probably would have made. An well, option. no, no, no. It's still a, it's still going strong in yeah. Florida. Let me
1: just tell you based on clients I've talked to. Well, let's do a caveat. Interestingly, according to Florida law, 689.25, the real estate agent is not required to disclose if a home was the site of a homicide. Yeah. And I mean, even if you ask, I don't think they necessarily have to tell you. But it's kind of like people that think that if they ask a person if they're a police officer, they have to say it. Newsflash, they don't. Hmm. They, can, they can totally lie to you. They're, they're not required to and, tell you the they will. Just FYI. <laughs> and, and they will. <laughs> the last little bit I could find... In 2019, Brandon was moved to a less restrictive facility at the Florida State Hospital based on recommendations of the staff there. Since then, I've found no other mention of his name or his treatment. As far as I know, he's still there, and I didn't see anything specifically mentioning any release of any kind. Of course, it could have been done quietly. They could have changed his name. There's no way of knowing, but I I really tried to see any kind of update and Outside of 2019, when he was moved to a different facility, I didn't see anything else about him. So as far as I know, he's still in a state hospital.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is the fact that the dad obviously has way more motive to hurt the mother. Yep. Thank you. And This is speculation, you know, and I'm not saying that this is actually happened. It's not something I'm saying that I actually believe. I am simply speculating. Don't see me. It seems like he had a lot more motive. I don't know why you say don't sue me because go ahead. Do <laughs> you have anything? I, I literally
1: don't have any. I have this little dinosaur I'm crocheting. Look, we are an indie podcast. We are not a podcast that is seeking out for a lot of money. So if that's what you're looking for,
0: go elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually put a lot more money into the podcast than we probably will ever make from it. So go ahead and try and 100%. But my whole thing is like. You can have all the debt you want. I promise. I've got plenty. Yeah, same. I'll share that. That's fine. But my thing is, like, he had way more motive. And especially if there is a vulnerable child involved in this, and if this child is suffering from something that severe, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, just if. And that's my whole thing about it, you know? I
1: felt like Mr. Ballin researching this because... I read the basic summary and I was like, oh, freaking heck, he's nuts. Okay, he's nuts. And then, oh, okay, so he had schizophrenia. So insanity is a a decent plea. That makes sense. And then I looked, I saw this insurance thing and then I pulled that up and delved deeper. And then the more I heard about the dad, I thought the exact same thing. It was like he had a hell of a lot of motive and he got out of this with nothing. Mm -hmm. Nobody was looking at him for real. And he knew what was going on with his son, whether he denies it or not. It doesn't matter. He knew there was something going on and he got him out in two days from rehab. So I, it makes me want to I almost want to say like he's culpable. He used his son, then played him like a fiddle and got out scot free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree conjecture on my part feel free to sue me i don't have anything because uh i got four kids and we can't afford it but good luck w- good luck with that but i'm just saying like it didn't take very much digging to be perfectly honest which makes it even more suspect mm-hmm. i feel like there's definitely some sus stuff going on in the case oh for sure 100 percent. there's something weird going on and i hate it for brandon because This is another case where there's a mental health issue that was not dealt with and it wasn't addressed. It was ignored and it got to the point where this happened, whether it was because somebody abused that knowledge rather than treating it or whether it was a neglect situation, which still makes you culpable in my in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. What's so interesting to me now, too, is, like, we're all so openly talking about our um, mental illnesses that uh, it's, there's not that big stigma on it. And you look at... Which is good. That's what I've been hoping for for years. You look at the Thanksgiving Day murders and you look at this one and you see family and parents who are trying to, like, brush it under the rug, pretend it doesn't exist. This should exist. It's a problem. And I, like, just in my own experience with my own mental illness and things like that, we joke about it on the podcast. To some, some extent. Oh, she's forgetful. All of this stuff. Blah, blah. But what you, what you don't get to hear about is, like, the debilitating, like, effects of it. And there are some. there There are some serious ones. Well,
1: you don't get to hear the conversations that Montana and I have that are serious, where we have really tough days and we message each other and say, hey, I'm having a tough time. I need you to like listen to my ranting that makes absolutely no sense. And it never does. Or suggest something I need to watch on TV right now or text me every 15 minutes to make sure I'm okay. And we do that because that's what you do when you know somebody has issues with their mental health and they're struggling at any point in time.
0: I forgot about the whole text me every 15 minutes while I'm in the bathtub. So I know I don't have... A stroke and die.
1: It happens every so often.
0: It happens every so often. That's my anxiety. But, I mean, coming I out. think it's
1: good to be open and honest about mental health things because we all deal with it. And that was something I actually I think this was a little triggering just in general for me, because I mean, you know, I had a really tough situation a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I hear music now. And there's music that connects to me on a way that anybody who has not dealt with that will not understand because the, the language they use is so nuanced that you only really identify with it if you've been there. And this is as good a time as any. Every single day for me is a suicide prevention day for me. Every single day. If I can share a message that says, I love you and I want you to reach out to me if you're having a difficult time, I mean it. And I want you to reach out to me. I've told that to Montana. I've told that to all my friends. It's important, especially during the holidays. So if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, reach out, please, by all means, on our social media, feel free, post a message, respond to one of our content. I will respond to you if I see you. The second I I see
0: it, I will respond to you.
1: Don't leave it out there. Don't not reach out to somebody. That's
0: that's not okay. Period. We love you. The best day to get help for whatever you're going through is today. Yeah, 100%. It's today. 100%. Don't reach out to me if you're having problems because I'm going to send you a picture of a potato wearing a crown. I'm not going to be helpful.
1: <laughs> that might be helpful. Who knows? That, that, just that, that, that might be helpful. I don't know. Maybe I should get a copy of that picture
0: just so I can send it.
1: Just seriously, uh, if, if there's ever a time, do not give up. Holidays are hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. If, if you have no one else to reach out to, reach out to us, please.
0: I'm, I'm not good during the holidays. I cried eating macaroni and cheese the other night. That's why I'm on the social media. <laughs> it would just If I was on the social media, it would just be live videos of me on the Facebook crying eating mac and cheese. But also,
1: I, I fall asleep at like 10 o'clock central time. So if you reach out after that time and I don't respond, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm dead asleep. And I might respond at like 3 a.m. central time because my cats woke me up.
0: But I
1: will respond. I promise.
0: Or if it's really late, you can hit me up on the email. (laughs) ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com because I am probably awake. Probably. Very likely. I don't sleep a (laughs) lot. Fair enough.
1: You really don't. You're on all kinds of schedules. Also, uh, social media, in case you didn't know, Reaper Tales Podcast. So uh, Facebook, Instagram.
0: Find us. We love you. We really do. So send us your questions for our 100th episode. We're going to have a bonus episode at the same time. You can ask us your questions. We've gotten some good ones. And we will answer them on an episode. Uh, You can send them to me. In the email, you can send them on our social media, or if you have my personal information, uh, you can do what our other friend did and just send it to me directly. So (laughs) maybe Paul will send one
1: (laughs) if there's anything he doesn't know.
0: He already knows everything about both of us. Maybe there's a question he wants us to have to say out loud. (laughs) I'm not answering
1: anything for Paul. Fair enough. Also, make sure to like, rate review, subscribe, all the lovely things you guys know how to do. But also, if you write a written review, I'm going to give you a shout-out. I haven't seen one yet, outside of the one I already gave gave a shout-out to, which is fine. But if you guys do another one,
0: just know I'm going to shout you out. Sure will. Sure will. Love you all. Yep. Until next time, we love you. We mean it. Okay, bye. The reaper will come for so. Oh.
1: Interesting. All right. Uh,